Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, October 28th edition of the Basement Academy. You know, we've been doing this for about a year and a half now. <laughs> uh, there's somewhere north of 375 episodes. The first, you know, couple months were really wrapped around daily updates around COVID and the church shutdown and things. And then somewhere uh, last spring, spring of 2020 uh, into the summer, uh, realized that this was a, kind of a venue, <laughs> a way, a platform uh, for doing what essentially is Christian education. So I just want to say thanks uh, to the many who uh, watch and appreciate your feedback uh, on Sunday mornings or through emails or other conversations. Uh, I'm encouraged that you're encouraged. And so that keeps me going. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to do some thinking out loud. It, it's I'm an extrovert and some of you uh, who are extroverts, you know how it works. We kind of figure out what we're thinking uh, by, by speaking it. And so uh, anyway, just want to give a shout out to you all uh, for your continued um, participation in this. All right, Psalm 88, our, our morning psalm. It's a tricky one. Haven't read it for a while. Have, have read it before, um, but you know, it's only on the 28th of the month. And so um, it's a prayer of somebody who's in a dark, dark place. And it's an important psalm that we pray both for ourselves, but it's hard to pray when you're in the dark place. And so we're we're kind of praying it in advance, kind of praying it forward, so to speak, for a time when we are struggling. But more often, we're praying it for somebody we know who is in that dark place. And so it becomes part of our intercessory prayers. So anyway, this is a song, it tells us, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a Heman the Ezraite. Heman the Ezraite wrote this. Psalm 88. O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you. Turn, my, turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have been afflicted and close to death. 
I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. Mm, Psalm 88. And so it requires some fortitude to press through that and to not just read it, but to offer it in prayer, both for ourselves and sometimes I, I pray it in advance. Lord, in that time when I am feeling this way or experiencing this, Lord, hear my prayer. But for those whom we know are struggling today, the grieving, uh, the suffering, those in pain, uh, Lord, hear our prayer uh, for these friends who may only have the darkness or feel the darkness is their closest friend. Okay, um, let's unlearn a little bit more. I had to unlearn something some years ago about the relationship between kind of knowledge of the Bible, Christian knowledge and growth, kind of all that that goes together, knowledge and growth, and the relationship between knowledge and let's say mission or witness, okay? The typical understanding that we have is that I need more knowledge before I witness. I need to grow more before I engage in mission. That knowledge and growth are what drive mission. And so people go to Sunday school classes, they sit in Bible studies, they engage in the basement academy, <laughs> they listen to sermons, and come to the conclusion that I don't know enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not mature enough to go witness, to go engage with others in some mission endeavor. So the typical understanding is that growth drives mission, knowledge drives witness, because who wants to get asked that hard question, why would God, if I don't have the answers? And so we hold off witnessing until we know all the answers which of course means we never witness, because guess what? We never know all the answers. And so a number of years ago, I was engaged in an evangelism um, workshop. It was a mobile evangelism training event down in the city of Atlanta. And we visited several sites, churches and ministries that are engaged in some creative evangelism. And one of the pastors said, you know, we get into this um, kind of downward spiral as Christians thinking that we need to know more before we engage in evangelism and witness. And he says, it's actually the other way around. That witness and mission is what drives our growth and our knowledge. You get out there and you engage in conversation. You share your faith with somebody. They ask you the hard questions. You have to wrestle. And in the wrestling, you go back and you search these scriptures. And then the knowledge that you gain there is never lost. Because it's knowledge that is in service of witness. Because you then walk back to that person and share with them what you have learned, what you've discovered. Whereas typically we sit in Sunday school, we listen to a basement academy, we hear a sermon. That was nice. That was a great study. Good job. Great. We don't do anything with it. We, we don't apply it. 
it just sounds good to us. We acknowledge that we believe what the pastor believes on this one, what the Bible study leader believes, and then we go about our, our, our merry way and it leaks out of us. But when you engage in mission and evangelism first, that's, that is the thing that drives your growth and your maturity and your knowledge and your character. And I would have to say that's my own story. I got involved uh, with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I got engaged in some leadership. I got in involved in some activities that put me in places where I clearly was not prepared. But I was willing to trust the promises of God that he would be with me. And so with a team of others and sometimes by myself, engaged in conversation and witness and other activities that drove me, I don't know. I, and so that's what drove my knowledge and my growth. And so unlearn that. Anyone who is sitting there thinking, I don't know enough, I'm not a mature enough Christian in order to witness to my village, you're wrong. And I, as a pastor, I don't often say it that clearly, but you're wrong. You know enough. If you know the name Jesus, you know enough to talk to your, your neighbors, your, your villagers. If you know about the cross, if you know what he's done for you in your life, you know enough. Because if nothing else, you can always tell your own story. And so I want to talk about uh, <clears throat> an opportunity I would like you to engage in to prepare your personal testimony, but make it short. Uh, there's an exercise. I, I, I frankly have not uh, talked about it with Eric, engaging our elders and deacons and leaders with this to prepare a hundred word testimony to get that thing so tight that it doesn't leak, right? <laughs> that it's, it's focused, it's tight, it's the elevator version. If somebody were to ask you, hey, I've noticed something about your life. Are you a Christian? That you would just be able to go right into it at that moment. You wouldn't go, well, yeah, kind of, I go to church and, you know, I always believed in the Bible and, you know, you, you kind of, you know, waddle around a little bit. We don't want that. And so... A typical pattern for preparing personal testimonies, your life before Jesus Christ, how you came to know Jesus Christ, and then what impact has that made? What is your life like after coming to know Jesus Christ? So that's kind of a before and after with the, the, the hinge there being how you came to know Christ. Okay, so that's one, one pattern. So I would like you... I would like to give you some homework to think about that and perhaps to sketch. So what I did is I've sketched here what I call my bullet point testimony. I, 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 I've got long versions and I've got short versions of it. And so this would be a shorter version. And so I grew up going to church with my parents. We were mostly a Christmas and Easter crowd a few other times. But when we got into high school, I found that I was too cool for God. I was too cool to be associated with that religious stuff just based on who I was and the circles I was running in and my high school had no interest <laughs> and in fact had some embarrassment around it. Um, so got into uh, college, uh, encountered uh, life a little bit, you know, beyond mom and dad and the family and had some disappointments. Um, relationships and some other things, a death, a death in the family. And so several disappointments that over time 
for lack of any other word, awakened within me a spiritual hunger. I didn't fully identify it as that. I just had a sense that there's got to be more to this life than what I'm doing. I now look back and see that that was a spiritual hunger. And so with with this spiritual hunger awakened, I didn't go to church, uh, but I realized I didn't really know what to do. I I actually uh, took a class on Eastern religions in college, and that had some interest. It had spirituality written all over it, uh, in the Buddhist tradition in particular. And then a friend of mine who had gone to high school, was at UVA also, who played on the football team, invited me to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting, and I decided to go. And uh, again, a little embarrassed, didn't know what I was getting into when I walked in the room, but I went and I saw folks who kind of looked like me because that's not what I thought I was going to see. I was kind of too cool for all that. And I kind of had an image of Christians as being a little nerdy and, and, and the like. And I'm meeting defensive linemen and others, and I was playing on the baseball team. And I began to listen and watch and sing And I began to uh, engage in the activities without really yet fully believing. I had never considered the actual claims of Jesus. I didn't know that there were actual claims. I just had God and church all lumped in an old guy, uncool box. And somebody shared the gospel with me, Steve Rossia. Thanks be to God for Steve. And Steve shared about Jesus and what he had done. And, I, and he asked me very point blank, is this something you would like to commit yourself to, to give your life to Jesus? And a little bit embarrassed, to be honest with you, but a little bit interested also, I said yes. Didn't know what I'd said yes to fully. And Steve followed up with me for uh, a number uh, of months uh, into the next school year. And then he graduated But I had never understood that God not only loved the world, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. I never understood that God not only loved the world, but that he loved me. That Jesus didn't only die for the sins of the world, he died for my sins. And so I remember praying in my little basement apartment. I guess I, I like basements, don't I? Uh, praying in a basement apartment there at the University of Virginia, off off campus, off grounds. And I said, God, if you're there, and I think you are, I would like you to show yourself to me in a way that I can understand, that I can't miss. And over a period of several weeks, I gained the signs that I felt that that were speaking directly to my heart. And I became a follower of Jesus without much fanfare. I kept going to those FCA meetings. I think they thought I believed all along, but I was a new person and uh, began to get involved in leadership uh, with, I played guitar and began to, um, get involved in small group Bible study and the like. And so 
they didn't know what had happened, but I know, and God knows what happened. And I got engaged in trying to bear witness to my faith. I got invited pretty early on by one of the um, campus leaders, Mark Newland, uh, one of my good, good friends. And he invited me to speak to a group of businessmen. He invited me to speak in, to a group of high school students. Uh, he invited me to speak to some people in jail. And in the process of talking, telling my story, I grew and grew and grew. And so here I am some 40 years later talking to you about the Bible, about Jesus, about talking to others about Jesus in the scriptures. That's way more than 100 words. I know that. But maybe that's a place you can start is... Uh, just make four or five bullet points. Places that kind of would be a hook for you. So if I were, to, I, I frankly sometimes tailor my testimony to who I'm talking to. I'll, I'll be honest about that, okay? But if I were talking to younger people, I'd want to lean into that too cool for God, okay? So that's, that's intentional, because that's one of the things that young people struggle with to this day. They want to be accepted, want to be liked, and, and they want to be on the in crowd, want to be cool, okay? And, and so um, I, would, I would mention that. I would talk about disappointments and the spiritual hunger, how there's this sense of something more in life. I would always want to talk about the fact that I had never explored the actual claims and words of Jesus. Because guess what? Very few people who are not Christians have done that. Some explore the claims of Jesus and they say, I just can't believe it. Okay, fair enough. You know, I'd want to get in a long conversation with that person. But the truth is very few people, and frankly, there are some people who go to church <laughs> who have really not yet wrestled with the claims and teachings of Jesus you know, religion and church and, and God have maybe been just a habit and a tradition for them. I, I, I don't, I'm not calling anybody to mind, but I, I have a sense uh, over the years that this is true, that there are folks who go to church out of habit and less out of conviction uh, and, 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 and deep faith. And so considering the claims of Jesus is what we want somebody to do. And that's a legitimate question. Have you ever considered the claims of Jesus for himself? Not what others say about Jesus, but what Jesus says about himself, because that's those are two very different things. And then I would always want to mention that I became convinced that God loved me. Lots of people think, oh yeah, God loves the world, but he could never love me. He can love those people, but he could never love me. A lot of people deal with shame, guilt. They know what they've done. They feel what they've done is unforgivable, unpardonable. Not a chance. For God so loved the world and you that he gave his one and only son. And I always like to talk about asking God to make himself real. Why not? <laughs> God loves to make himself known. Now, he makes himself known in the creation but, you know, it's like the peacock stories, those kinds of things that, that, that show up. You know, peacocks show up as the sign that God gives uh, to encourage and strengthen uh, his people. 
And so ask God to make himself real in the life of your villagers. And if you're talking to a villager, encourage that person to go ahead and ask God to make himself real and make himself known to that person in the way that they will understand. Okay. So let me just give you a little homework. Okay. We went from kind of the hard pay dirt question of why would God? And we talked about that uh, yesterday. Now this is more to your own story. And, uh, Maybe you want to lean into a little bit more tomorrow. That's the un- irrefutable part of, of witnessing. Nobody's going to come up and say, Don, you're lying to me. Those things did not happen. Well, actually they did. Now they can reject the God I believe in, but they can't tell me I'm lying about the story that happened to me, what actually happened to me. So hopefully you'll take some time to to think through your own story, make a couple bullet points, maybe write that down and have it in a place that you can look at it, maybe memorize those bullet points as a way of, of being ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope you have. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this day and thank you for the opportunity to tell my story once again and for the sweet way in which you drew me to yourself, for the, the faith foundation in my home, though it didn't make sense to me at first, for the disappointments that awakened that spiritual hunger and for the claims of Jesus. And thank you for Steve, Rossio, Doug Woodside, Matt Halverson and others, uh, Mark Newland, who, who were there in the early days uh, to guide and shepherd and encourage me. And thank you that you not only love the world, but you love me. You love each of us and you sent Christ to die for us. Make that known in ways that we can understand more fully and deeply, even as followers, and certainly for those within our village. Lord, we ask you to reveal yourself to our villagers, those we know in our web of relationships. And Lord, use us to bear witness uh, to your own self as you make yourself known. God, we love you and thank you for sending Jesus. And we pray in his name, even as he taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, may the God who did send his son Jesus as an expression of his love for the world and as an expression of his love for you, may that God watch over you, keep you, bless you this day and forevermore. Amen.